Hello everyone out there. This is Peter Harris from Commercial Property Advisors, author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies, and coach and mentor to many commercial real estate investors all across this great nation of ours. The title and subject of today's podcast is, We Help People from All Walks of Life Build Profitable Multifamily Portfolios Where There's a Steady Stream of Rental Income while we're maximizing the appreciation potential of each property. Along the way, we learned one thing, and that is there's a right way to do this and there's a wrong way. I'm going to share with you the three keys to buying multifamily the right way. These three keys are conducting a comprehensive financial analysis of the property while performing meticulous due diligence and having a deep understanding of the market. I'm going to do this for you in a very practical and simple way. Let's get started. We're going to start right here with key number one, which is conducting a comprehensive financial analysis of the property. So basically what we're doing is we're analyzing the property's income and expenses. I'm going to start off with the wrong way to do this. The wrong way is to have belief or trust in the property's brochure. Okay, you find the property online, you download the brochure, beautiful pictures, you have property data here, the income expenses. The wrong way to analyze that property is to have belief in the brochure. Here's the reason why. The numbers, the income expenses in your brochure are wrong. 100% of the time wrong, always wrong. The right way is to obtain the seller's income and expenses, not the property brochure. The property brochure is put together maybe by the agent or someone else in the agent's office. You want the actual numbers, and guess what? You want 12 months of income and expenses. Now, I have nothing against brokers. Some of them are my best friends. They're reporting what the seller gave them. So sometimes what they do is this is a sales document here, and this sales document, they make the numbers look good so that you will call. In commercial, it's buyer beware. We have very few consumer protection laws. So the numbers can be wrong or off. And if you buy it and you discover it's off, there's really nothing you can do about it. So you can't take them to court. So the right way is to obtain the seller's actual income expense statement going back 12 months to year to date. So that's right way number one. Next thing is when you're analyzing a property, the wrong way is to, is to rely on the seller's income expense statement. I know this is kind of contrary, but I don't want you to rely on the seller's income expenses only because you take this, you put this in your evaluator, you go, oh, wow, cash flows. You left one thing out and that's the right way. The right way is to measure these numbers against a third party. Third party meaning like, for example, us, our students bring, bring us a deal. They put everything in the calculator. They lay everything out and we say, guess what? Your expenses are too low. Your income is too high. How do we know that? Through our experience and all the data we keep. So you want to get a realistic verification of the seller's numbers. You rely too much on the seller's numbers. You're missing out on things because you're a beginner. You don't know if these numbers are true or not. He may have left something out by accident or on purpose. The third wrong way is to overly rely on online data. You may tell me, Peter, the rents can go to this level. I checked on these websites. Or I checked here and I, I can add, you know, I can start billing back for utilities and increase my NOI based upon information I found on these websites. Well, that's the wrong way. You can start there, but you can't end there. The right way 
is for you to get in the trenches yourself and also use property managers to pull out what the property can actually do. If you're relying on online data from your computer, Google Maps, just data, you have to go to the property to see the age of the property, the location, the amenities, condition of the interiors, all that matters if you think you have upside that you saw online. The fourth wrong way is to use in your evaluation the current property taxes as a means of calculating your part of your expenses. The reason why using the current property taxes on the property is the wrong way is because these are the seller's property taxes, not the yours. Property taxes are one of your largest, if not the largest, fixed expense you're going to have on the property. So you better make sure you're doing this right. So this is the wrong way is to use the current property taxes. What you have to do is you need to calculate your new, your new property taxes. It's very possible to sell his owner's property for 20 years. He bought it for $100,000. His tax base is really, really low. You come along years later and now it's worth a million dollars. Guess what? Your property taxes are going to go up. So in your cash flow calculation, make sure that you're using your new property taxes. It can make a big difference. Look at this. If you're off by $10,000 a year, because you forgot to calculate your new property taxes, we're talking about $800 a month in cash flow. That's a huge mistake. And also about $160,000 in NOI value because you miscalculated this property tax new value. So that is key number one, doing a comprehensive financial analysis. If you can do these four things, you are doing it the right way. Let's go to key number two. All right, here we are with key number two, performing meticulous due diligence. Now, when you're conducting due diligence on a multifamily property, you're looking at three sections. There is a physical part of the due diligence, that's the actual inspections. You have the financial part of the due diligence where you're looking at the financials, the income and expenses, the verification and all that. And then you have the legal side of due diligence, looking at title. I'm going to cover bits and pieces of all three so that it's meticulous. So if you can do these four things, you are doing a pretty meticulous job of due diligence here. All right, let's get started. Again, I'm going to start off with the wrong way to do this. This is probably the easiest way because it's the path of least resistance. But in commercial real estate, doesn't work too well when you do that. Here's the wrong way. When you sign a contract for your multifamily property, the agent or the seller will want you to do your inspections in 7 to 14 days. That's wrong. This is the wrong way. You know why? It's because there's not enough time to order an inspection, to conduct an inspection, get the inspection report back, examine it, call other vendors to look at the roof, the electrical and all that, if there's issues, and then go back and renegotiate the seller back and forth and then to amend the contract. You don't have enough time in 14 days to do that on a 20 or 30 unit apartment building. Just down enough time. The right way is a minimum of 30 days. That's needed. So don't fall for this. You can't do it in 7 to 14 days. Too much pressure and you're going to miss something. So the right way is to get 30 days up front in the contract. The second wrong way is when you inspect a property to only inspect a few units. Let's say you have a 24-unit apartment building and the seller 
or agent doesn't want you to inspect all 24 because it's disruptive to the tenants. So you say, okay, how about if I do 10 or I do half of the 24? So you're going to inspect 12 units. That is the wrong way to conduct meticulous due diligence. The right way is to do all of them, 100% inspection. Here's the reason why. The reason why is the ones that you do not inspect, those are the ones that that's a meth lab, okay? That's the one that's going to have all the pit bulls in it, or that is the one where the seller is hiding something in that unit and doesn't want you to see. So he'll cherry pick the best 12 to show you. You think everything is okay. And then you close on it and then you're in for a big surprise. To alleviate that, you're going to do 100% inspection to be meticulous. The third wrong way is when you jump in a contract and you start doing your due diligence, you're going to get all the leases. So if you have a 24 unit apartment building, you're going to get 24 leases. The wrong way to examine the leases is to not to audit every lease. How do you audit? It's very simple. The right way is to compare all 24 leases against the property's current rent roll. The rent roll is like an attendance sheet. It's like a register of all the tenants from top, from unit one to unit 24, their names, the date they moved in, what they pay for rent, and when their leases expire. You need all that and you compare that with every lease that you have in hand to make sure everything lines up and match accordingly, you're going to find 5 to 10% of the leases don't match. There's something wrong with it. An example of that could be the security deposit. The tenant may have said, hey, I'm giving you a $2,000 security deposit. But guess what? The lease doesn't show it. So what are you going to do? The rent roll may show it. The lease doesn't. The tenant say gave it to you. If you didn't match it up, you have nothing to question. So you would owe the tenant $2,000 or you can take a small claims card. So something like that could come up. So your best bet is compare all the leases against the property's current rent roll. Number four is how not to do a meticulous job of due diligence is to glance over the title report because it's too complex. When you get a title report from the title company, it is complex. The pages and pages of legal mumble jumble. Your job is to go through it and ask questions. The title company can answer everything that you see that you don't understand on that report. If you don't do that, here's what's going to happen. You may run into creditors that have a lien against the property or vendors that have a lien against the property. You may run against inheritance disputes. There could be a brother or sister who's on title that didn't sign the contract and has no idea that the property is for sale. You're in for a big surprise at closing because you're not closing. There could be a lawsuit there. And lastly, you can have zoning restrictions. You believe that you can use a property for this or do this expansion. Guess what? You may be in for a big surprise when the title company says or the title report says you can't do that. So the right way uh, of when you receive your title report is to look for look for liens, look for any disputes, look for zoning restrictions, look for any encumbrances to the property. Again, I don't expect you to be an expert here, but the best you can do is to get the title report out, go through. If you don't understand something, call them up and have a meeting with the title company. Make sure you understand 100% of all the language there. Okay, it's your properties, your job of doing meticulous due diligence. So if you can do these four things, you are doing a very meticulous job of due diligence. Let's go to key number three. Last but not least, 
Key number three, which is having a deep understanding of the market in which the property is located. I'm going to start off with the wrong way again. To get a deep understanding of the market, one thing wrong you can do is not pay attention to the supply and demand of your property that you're looking to buy. Let's use a 24-unit apartment building as an example. Let's say that all 24 units are one bedrooms. Okay, so all 24 one bedrooms. What's wrong with that? Well, as you know, people who tend to rent one bedrooms are more transient. They're moving in and out. They're changing jobs and moving back home with the parents. They're getting roommates. They're moving around. So you will not have a steady base of tenants as you would have if you had a mixture of one bedrooms, two bedrooms, and three bedrooms all amongst the 24 units. So the problem here is when you when you look at supply and demand and there's all one bedrooms, if your neighborhood is not conducive to having a lot of single people, like a university, for example, or downtown, you may want to do it the right way and have a good mixture of units. So within your 24 units, have a mix of one bedrooms, two bedrooms, and three bedrooms. That is ideal. So that is one thing to look for when you're looking at your market is to pay attention to the supply and demand for your units in your market. The second wrong thing to do, this happens so often, this is so common, is for the investor to be blinded by the cash flow. They'll look at a brochure, they'll run their numbers, they go, wow, look at this cash flow, this property cash flow is amazing. But the wrong way is when you're ignoring the red flags. The red flags could be if you have high crime in an area. I don't care how good the cash flow is. When you're in a high crime area, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to be able to collect your rents because the people that want to rent in the high crime area are the people who don't have reliable jobs and they're not dependable. Hence, they don't pay your rent. Hence, you don't have your cash flow. All right. So don't be blinded by the cash flow. Ignoring red flags. Instead, Check the crime rate, check the rent trends. If you believe your rents can go up, do a research yourself, okay? I'll give you those sources in a second. Population trends, which way is the population going? If the population in your area is going down, guess what? You have a less pool of tenants and you won't be able to get your rents up or have stable tenancy. Next, local jobs. No jobs equals no tenants. And lastly, access to transportation. That's really important. People want to live by where they can walk outside, walk a block or two, get on the subway, get on the bus or train and head to work. So that's important. Here are a couple of websites I want to bring you to to check out this type of thing to do it the right way. Okay, you can go to crimemapping.com. Okay, you can enter the address to show you what crime is in that area. You can go to walkscore.com. It will tell you what's within walkable business of your apartment building. For example, our buses nearby, our train stations nearby, shopping nearby. Can I bike to places nearby? All this is nearby. And then to check the rents, you will go to rentometer.com. You plug in the address and it will tell you what the rents are for that area. It will tell you if your rents can be raised or not. So very important too here. And to check out general neighborhood for for just all-around demographics, I like NeighborhoodScout.com. You go there, it produces a phenomenal report of way too much information. So check these four websites out. So this is the right way of understanding, of having a deep understanding of your market. The last one is very important. So have a deep understanding of your market. This is just a no-brainer. This is so simple. It's something you can do. 
does the city that you're investing in have rent control? If you have rent control in your city, you can find out easily by Googling your city and rent control to tell if you have it or not. If you have rent control and you'd like to raise your rents next year to this level, you can't. Your rent is controlled by the city. Now, the other thing, does the city have rent control or have pending rent control laws in legislation? What that means is your city is about to or discussing passing rent control laws that could affect you greatly in the future and totally mess up your extra strategy. So you need to know you can Google these things and plug in your city and plug in rent control and it'll tell you what's happening there. The right way to go to get around this is to know this and find out if your property is in a rent control area or that city that your property is located in is going to have rent control possibly in the future. So if you can do these four things, you will have a very deep understanding of the market in which your property is located in. So I'm not done yet. What I'm going to do, I know I went over a lot today. I'm going to summarize everything really quick for you so you can absorb it all and make sure in your next deal, you're buying multifamily the right way. All right, we made it to the end. Let me wrap up with a quick summary. But before I do that, if you have any questions on what I went over, any comments, feel free to text me. Go ahead and text Peter to 833-942-4516. I would really love to hear from you on this topic. I'm really trying to help you here. Now, let me summarize everything I went over. I want you to be in a position where you can buy multifamily right. This is exactly what we teach our students to do. You can do it as well. So now, the three keys are comprehensive financial analysis, performing meticulous due diligence, and having a deep understanding of the market. Real quick, I'm just going to go through these, and if you can just absorb it as best you can. Key number one is financial analysis to obtain the seller's income expense statements for the last 12 months. And I want you to get this and then measure this information against my data, right? Because a lot of times... The seller information is missing things, either on purpose or by accident, giving you a miscalculated cash flow or ROI. You can also measure against a proper manager's data or another property's data. We have all this in-house for our students. Next is to calculate your new property taxes. Again, property taxes are your one of your largest fixed expenses on the property, and you better know how to calculate the new property taxes because the previous owner's property taxes are not yours. Next is due diligence. Uh, key number two is to inspect 100% of all the units. If you're buying a 24 unit or a 100 unit, you need to inspect all of them. Next is 30 days to inspect is minimum. A lot of the brokers or sellers want to push you to do like a seven day or a 14 day. Don't fall for it. You need 30 days to do a thorough job of due diligence. Next in your due diligence, and we should get all the leases and you compare all the lease information against your property's rent roll to make sure it matches. And I guarantee you it's not going to match. And this is part of your due diligence. You need to ask questions why this isn't matching and then get those, uh, get the leases corrected or get something else corrected there. This is why you need 30 days to do all this work. Next is don't be scared of the title report. The title report can be complex. But what I want you to do, grab it, get on the phone to the title company and go through every single part to make sure you understand every single word in title in a title report. There should be no gray area in any part of real estate. 
especially commercial or multifamily, there's too much at risk to not have an understanding of something. Next, understanding the market. Key number three is have a, a mixture of units. So know your area. Your area is conducive to like a university where they're all one bedrooms. So you have students, great. But if you're not in that area, it's best for you to have a mixture of, of all the 24 and have a mixture of one bedrooms, two bedrooms, and maybe three bedrooms. Next, know your market, know the crime, know what rent levels you have, know what the job scene is there, and know what's happening with the population. This is all part of having a deep understanding of the market. And lastly, but not least, is rent control. Just know if you have rent control or not, because if you have rent control or have pending rent control from pending legislation, it could throw your extra strategy way off because you won't be able to raise the rents. All right, this will get you off to a great start.